Hey, what's up? It's Aiden Jones, and you're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 30th of March, 2021. How the fuck are you? What's going on? Thank you for listening to my podcast. I'm feeling good. It's early in the morning. I've got a busy-ass day lined up, so I thought I'd just smash this podcast out. Um, I, I uh, What's the time? It's 9 o'clock. Did I already say that? Well, that's how early it is. Can you hear it in my voice? My crackly little vocal fry. That sounds like a cute little name that you'd call someone. Or maybe I just, my girlfriend was just here and so that's what's in my head. Oh, thank you, my cute little vocal fry. (laughs) Oh man, it's cold this morning, bruh. It's cold. I just had the heating on for for like five minutes. The heating's really good in my house. (laughs) Sorry to brag. Um... But it's very cold, but it's one of those cold days that's like crisp. Oh, that's my favorite kind of day. When the when the sky is blue and the air is crisp and the vocal fry is ready. All right. I guess I'm in a good mood if I'm singing. Huh? Must be. Hard to tell sometimes. Do you ever get that? You wake up and you're like, I don't know. Or you don't even say it to yourself whether if you're in a good mood or not. You just... You just wake up and you're like fucking going about your day and then after some time you're like, whoa, I guess I'm in a bad mood because I just swore at a tree. (laughs) I guess that means I woke up on the wrong side of the friend's futon today. Oh, got a little bit of a stuffy nose. It's not COVID. It's not fucking COVID. All right. Stop saying it's COVID. It better not be fucking COVID. No, of course it's not COVID. Um, oh, I've got a bunch of things I want to talk about. This is, I, I worked with a guy on the, the other day. Keep it vague. Let's keep it vague, Aiden. No names, no places. <clears throat> worked with a guy who definitely woke up on the wrong side of the fucking futon. Um, I've been talking in therapy about confronting... Um, confronting or like challenging people moments of like not even conflict but just there are some moments that give me a lot of anxiety when it comes to like confronting someone but I'm realizing I've got therapy today by the way that's why I need to kind of do this now my podcast because it's like it's nine o'clock I got therapy at 11 and uh and then after that I'm going to go do my accounts what a fucking day so yeah I got um I've been talking in therapy about how I, I'm very scared, or I, or I experience anxiety in moments of conflict, especially between me and people who I care about. Uh, oh my god, I'm yawning up a fucking storm out here, aren't I? So um, my therapist has been asking me to just notice the way that I feel physically in my body when I recount stories that because what happens is I I feel anxiety about challenging friends or family or whoever and then I don't do it and then later on I beat myself up because I'm like well I didn't stick up for myself or or say the thing that I was feeling and so the situation didn't go in a way that I'm happy with you know 
Um, and so I think about it heaps and I, I fucking tear myself apart mentally and emotionally thinking about how I could have done shit better or, or, or like getting angry at the other person or justifying it and getting angry at myself or whatever it is. But I spend a lot of mental energy after the fact, um, because I'm not happy with how I, how I was like conducted myself in the moment, you know, because of this anxiety that I have around challenging people. And I was really proud of myself on Saturday because I worked with this guy and uh, I do want to say for the record that I can't hold it against this guy for, you know, I mean, just the way that he was that day. Like he wasn't necessarily even really a bad dude, but I just didn't have a great day at work with him. But um, so we get there. So I've like I've said, you know, work with a different person every day. So it's great. Like, it's like I've been saying, it's like speed dating for blokes, you know? You work with a guy, you, you get there, you jump into the truck and you just go and do some shit together. Go and move some furniture, do some fucking bloke shit. It's really cool. And, um, and, and you, like, get to meet a new person and you open up to each other and you have conversations. And... All right. So I meet this guy, he's half an hour late um, and then we're in the truck going and I'm driving and I'm just like, you know, is there anything I can do to make this like easier for you? Because he's telling me, he's like, oh yeah, I was up till late, drinking, I'm hungover and no, no, no. And I was just like, let me know if there's anything I can do. So we get to the first place and, you know, we're trying to figure out what needs to be done. They've got too much stuff to fit in one <clears throat> to fit in one truck. So we gotta grab like select things that like they need priorities, right? But this guy just keeps walking through the house and going like, oh all right, so you know, we need to grab this and this and I guess uh we just need you to figure out what priority things are and you know we'll figure it out we'll figure it out like he's just saying really vague things and not really being to a point and I'm starting to really see that I guess uh, I can't tell whether this is being unfair to someone to be talking about them this is a thing right I can't tell whether me talking about this guy without him being here is unfair and whether I should just not talk about him and just say how I felt. Maybe I should do that rather than just sit here and fucking appraise the way that he worked, even though he was hungover. Whatever. The guy was hungover and it was annoying the way that he was working and it felt like I wasn't included in his decision-making process around how we were going to work. It felt like he had just... Maybe this is wrong, but it felt like he had woken up, knew that he was hungover, knew that he had to work and went, all right... I'm just going to smash this out. Like, I'm just going to smash this out, me. And then for the whole day, he was not really able to communicate with me the way that he wanted us to work, but he also wasn't able to take any cues from me. He was just in his own head going, I'm going to do the work and not really involving me in it. And it was really annoying to work with that guy. So there was one point, this is the thing that I'm I'm proud of that I did. And, he, and you know what? Yeah, maybe this podcast isn't going to be funny. And I am also very aware that last week's podcast wasn't that funny. And you know what? Maybe this isn't a fucking funny podcast. 
Why am I angry? Why am I angry and insecure? Maybe it's not a funny podcast. That's okay. I didn't fuck. Anyway, just had to get defensive there. Just to prove to you that <laughs> even though I'm learning about myself, I am still inherently a fucked person um, with more problems than I'm ever going to have time to deal with. Anyway, back to the fucking serious story. Um, <laughs> nah, it is still a funny podcast. Look, I'm laughing. God. <laughs> That's another thing about marketing this podcast is because the Melbourne Comedy Festival is on, I really need to uh, have a good, strong, like this is what the podcast is, pitch for people to tell them when, when my show, like at the end of my show and I tell them about my podcast. Maybe I'll just start saying, hey, listen to my podcast. It's not funny. I'm a comedian and I have a podcast, but it's not a funny podcast. I tell serious and important stories about my life and feelings. And if you want to listen to that, I've been telling people, Oi, if you're one of the 54 people who listen to this podcast, I've been telling everyone in my shows that if they want to listen, they're not allowed to. And um, only 54 people listen, so you have to find one of the 54 and challenge them to a fight. <laughs> So if any of you 54 people who listen to this podcast get hit up online and asked to meet at some sort of car park in the near future and have a fight to the death, well, you'll know that my show in the Melbourne Comedy Festival has gone pretty well. <laughs> fight, 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 fight. Oh God, let me have a sip of tea here. Allow me... To have one sip of tea. All right, so yeah, me and this guy. I'm working. I'm working the other day, and I'm getting frustrated with the way that he's feels like he's just doing the job by himself, and I'm just like an annoyance because he's hungover, so he's not able to work together with me. And it got to a point where, and I let my frustration get the better of me. So I got a table, there was like a big tabletop and I started trying to lift it myself and put it on this like trolley thing that we have and take it into the truck. And he came over and he was like, whoa, 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 man, stop, stop, put that down. All right now. And he just like started giving me a dressing down. He was like, man, like the one thing that you need to know in this job is like our number one priority is that we don't like damage the customer's stuff and you know just like some of the other guys will like really have a go at you for that i hate that i hate that right there putting it on someone else some of the other guys some of the older guys in the company will really have a go at you for that that you when you say that you are having a go at me some of the other guys oh i don't want to i don't want to come down on you too hard but like the it's like well by saying that you literally are fucking doing that thing and then but you're still trying to paint yourself as like a good guy who wouldn't do that so either do it or don't do it but don't try and fucking ugh oh, i hated that made me so angry but i was like all right man i was like let me let me t- let's we were in the garage of these people's house and i was like let's get back in the truck and let's talk and we got back into the truck and he tried to go like, oh, let's just start. And I was like, no, 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 stop, stop, man. Look at me. When that like just happened, when, what I just did, I'm really sorry. That was a stupid thing to do. But the reason I think I did that is because I'm frustrated because, and I started to just explain to him why I thought we weren't communicating very well and not put it on him. I was so fucking proud of myself, man. I didn't put it on him. 
I didn't say because you're hungover or because this or because that or any of that. I just said, I feel like we're not communicating. I feel like you have an idea of how you want this job to be done. And if you don't, uh, normally I would, you know, I don't want to be someone who's like, just tell me what to do because that's a shit person to work with. We both have to take initiative to get this job done. But if you have a really strong idea of how you want it to be done and you're not going to stand for it to be done any other way, that's fine. I can do that, but you need to communicate to me how that is in your head because I can't read your mind. And as soon as I kind of challenged him on that, two things happened. First thing was I felt my heart rate going crazy, like up into my mouth. It was so much anxiety. I felt really like, ah, just like wired. And the second thing was uh, he started to apologize and take a little bit of responsibility for what was going on. He was like, oh man, I'm on my worst day ever here. Don't worry about it. Like, sorry. Yeah, I probably blah, 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 blah. And then the day got better. The day got better from there. And I, uh, I don't know if I would have been able to do that if I don't know if I wasn't in therapy right now, if I would have had the strength to perform that duty of mine, <laughs> whatever. It was cool. It was very cool, but it's scary to challenge people. <sighs> I think I'm better at that on stage than I am. People often... I've heard comedians who have been gone for a long time talk about, oh, actually often, I don't know. I've definitely heard said that when you start doing comedy, you are funnier off stage than you are on stage. And then you work on the on stage and then eventually on stage becomes funnier than off stage. And you're like more an ideal form of yourself when you're on stage than when you're off stage. And I don't know exactly about that. Like, as you know, I don't know that I'm a better person on stage than off stage, whatever. But I do think that on stage, I'm definitely more ready to deal with confrontation and things that I'm just really uncomfortable with off stage. I guess because on stage, it's like there's something to protect, maybe. I feel like I have to be a bit aggressive. Um, maybe there's less that's actually at stake. Like if I challenge someone on stage, the worst thing that can happen is like, I have a bad gig, which I'm not scared of really. Not that scared of, I am scared of it, but I'm not like terrified of it. Whereas off stage, if I challenge someone in my mind, it could be so much worse. What am I scared of when I challenge someone? What's the anxiety there that they're going to challenge me back and that I'm not going to be able to rise to that challenge or to to argue my point or hold my own. I think that's it. That I'm going to be embarrassed maybe or that I'm going to be wrong. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just some anxiety. I talked to my mum about it um, because there was another... Uh, there was another thing that came up in therapy where... The, the the thing that I that I have found out that really makes me stew on stuff for ages is when people and like, you know, friends or people that are close to me shut down and they don't want to have the conversation because to me, the conversation is so important. But when someone shuts down, yeah, that's what, when someone doesn't want to have a conversation with me around a conflict that we're having, 
that really upsets me. So I I don't know why or what that is, but I spoke to my mum about something that happened at Christmas. We were at dinner and I wanted to order a particular thing and I guess my mum thought we'd already ordered enough stuff. <laughs> Such a stupid argument. Um, and uh, she was paying. So when she was like, no, we don't need that, she like shut it down and I don't even think she was looking at me and that made me feel like I, I kind of froze up and I was like, oh, fuck, you know, like I don't know what to do now with this. She doesn't want to talk about it. And I would have liked to, in retrospect, challenge her on that and go, why? No, let's just do it. And if it's whatever reason you're saying, I'm happy to try and work through that because I would like to order another thing. And what ended up happening, I called my mum and I asked her about this. She didn't remember. She was just like, oh, no, I, I, I talked about it in therapy and then I called her just to be like, you know, let's talk about it because this is an interesting point in our relationship to see if we can work through that kind of thing and and figure out what that conflict was. And she didn't remember it. She's like, I don't remember that. And I was like, okay. She was like, what happened? And I said, well, what actually happened, mum, was uh, the thing that I wanted to order. We didn't order it, but then it accidentally came anyway because the restaurant fucked it up and it was on our bill and we ended up paying for it. But we also ate it because that was I was right about the amount of food that we needed. <laughs> And and I ended up feeling really vindicated <laughs> and she thought that was very funny. Um, what am I trying to say? I don't know. Fuck, whatever. I've been doing therapy. I got therapy again today. It's exciting. It's really exciting to learn about these things and to have this experience where it does feel like it's like self-directed, you know? Like we're circling around the things that I want to talk about and not talking about them directly. And I'm kind of leading the conversation, but my therapist is, you know, very helpful in steering me in the right directions. It's fucking cool, man. I don't understand anyone who hasn't gone to therapy, dude. Go to fucking therapy. Maybe you don't need to when you're like younger. I don't know if I would have been able to do it when I was 20. I probably would have just been too, too much of a fuckhead. But if you're like getting in your late 20s, maybe I just want everyone to have the same experience of me. If you're <laughs> if you're 28 years old and eight months and seven days and you haven't gone to therapy, then you're fucked. <laughs> oh. Thanks to everyone who uh, has come to my Melbourne Comedy Festival show so far. Boy the why. It's been so great. Opening weekend was phenomenal. Um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all great shows, all different shows. I've learned that I, I thought I was just going to come through and do my show. You know, I thought it was like pretty much done. It's not done. It's not even close to done. There's so much that I want to work on and change in the show, which is really fucking exciting because it just, yeah, there's so much room to grow. <clears throat> um, thanks to any new listeners of the podcast also by the way if you're listening for the first time maybe you've seen the show in the last week and you're giving this podcast a crack well i hate to tell you this is what it is this is this is it this is actually a pretty good episode i'm fairly happy with how things are going so if you're listening going oh wow he's you know on stage he had all these jokes and things to say and this podcast now he's just kind of 
rambling. He was yelling at a tree, whatever he said, talking about some guy, divulging details of his personal life. This seems like a very... Well, yeah, this is it, man. This is what it is. So if you don't like it, why don't you get fucked? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) I'm excited to... um, to to work on there's a couple parts in the show so i guess the whole show is about um is about identity really i'm asking the question who am i which is true that's what i was asking that year when i wrote that show i was really in a in the throes of a like crisis of identity and i kept asking myself who am i what what does this mean that am i you know i kept just asking that who am i which is a strange question to ask because what are you talking about? Who am I? You're a person. You do things. That's what's important, right? It seems so obvious to me now, and that I guess is the end of the show. You're not. You're. You're. It's not who you are. It's what you do. That's what's important. What a fucking loser. Preach, preach, brother. But anyway, I'm. I'm asking through this whole show, like. You know, am I like Colombian or white or Australian or mixed race or brown or what? Any of those identities, which, you know, where do I fit in? And then because of that, I think tied to that, I also, I also have started touching a little bit on class. Am I working class? Am I middle class? Um, which again is a strange question because it's like, <clears throat> I mean, you don't, I don't know. One, I don't know that you get to pick which one of those you are. I think other people pick that for you. I think other people put you in there. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It just is a weird question around class, especially in Australia. It feels like we don't really have so clearly delineated class lines as there are in the UK. But um, I talk about that. I talk about like racial identity, class identity, and then I talk about the identity of being a man and that relating to my my dad and then there's a story in the middle about going to Kalgoorlie to visit my dad going and performing for his friends in his uh, backyard and then 20 minutes in one of his friends called me the n-word and they all laughed like it was a joke and I've been really trying to <clears throat> I've, I've changed a little bit in the show where now I, I I'm really trying to speak to how that made me feel and like give my experience around that thing because um, I guess I don't want to be one of these comics who it just feels like they're, I don't want to be someone who it feels like they're just trying to hit all these political points and just go, look how much I care about everything that we're supposed to care about. I had this one experience where someone used a racist word to describe me and it made me feel certain ways. And if you want to know which ways, come and see the show. <laughs> but I was, I'm not trying to own the whole experience of that forever. And uh, I guess I just really, I can't stand when people just get on stage and go, racism's bad. Because it's like, well, yeah, man, sure. Yeah, we know. Um, I was talking to my girlfriend last night about it and and she was going, you know, that she experiences like some sort of anger when I tell that story. She's like angry at the guy 
who yelled that to me. And I'm what I'm trying to communicate is like, I'm not angry at that guy. Maybe I should be, but it didn't feel like whoever it was, I can't even remember which of the guys it was in my dad's circle who yelled it, but they all laughed. And I don't think, like what I say in the show is it made me feel like if I wasn't there with my dad that I wouldn't have been welcome. But I don't think that's how they meant it. And I think what I was saying to my girlfriend last night is when the guy said that, it wasn't like he was going, you're different and, and you know, get out of here. I think what he was doing was the opposite. I think he was trying to bring me in. I think he was trying to say, like, you've got brown skin, but that's okay. So I'm going to make a joke about it so we can all laugh about it to show you that we accept you for your brown skin. But it didn't make me feel like that, even if that's the intention. And that's like probably the most positive interpretation of his intentions that I've got in my head. But I like to think that that was something along the lines of what they were trying to do. They weren't trying to be like racist, fuck you. They were just trying to connect with me on some level. And that was what they saw when I stood in front of them. They saw a brown person. And um, fuck, what was I about to say? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's what they meant to do, but that's how it made me feel. That they intended it to be one way, but it made me, the way it made me feel was like, it, it, it was like, like, why do you get to decide if I'm okay? Like they were going, hey man, you got brown skin, but it's all cool because like, you know, you're with us. And the way it made me feel was just like, why is it even important that I got brown skin? So suddenly now I'm with you, but you are the one who gets to decide that I'm with you. And that implicitly means that if you decide that I'm not, then I'm also not. So it's all, you have this power over me just because I have brown skin, you know? Um, and it made me feel like I'm different. Like you're, it made me feel like they were saying, you're not us. That's what it felt like. These lines, these lines that we draw between each other based on just fucking arbitrary distinctions of skin. And, um, so I was saying that to my girlfriend and then we were kind of throwing around the idea of she was like, well, maybe they just said that because that's just Kalgoorlie and that's whatever. And it just, this is the idea that I'm really resisting that I'm trying to resist is like, if I just write it off and go, oh, they just said that because they're from this place. I'm doing the same thing that they did to me. I live in Melbourne and I think I'm so great and progressive and I go, oh, those backwards losers in Kalgoorlie, they're all racist. That's why they don't understand. Well, I'm just doing the same thing to them. And I, But instead of saying, yes, I accept you for your differences, I'm going, I don't accept you for your differences. But either way, I'm still pointing to the fucking differences. And I think it's so... I, the reason that I'm right, that I want to talk about the thing isn't to go, oh, look at me so sad that someone said a racist thing to me. I want to talk about it because I want to go, all of you fucking people in Melbourne and Sydney and all the inner city cities and all you people in fucking the arts talking like you're so great because you're not racist and, and you're like, know all the fucking different genders and everything. You think you're so accepting but you look down on people that don't have the same fucking ideas about it as you. It's like, it, that's the thing that makes me angry. It's not the, the racism, sure, some people are racist, but the reason they're racist is ignorance. They're not bad people. But suddenly, as soon as someone's racist, everyone who thinks of themselves as not being racist 
points to the racist person and goes, we got him. He's the bad one. And it's like, no, he's not the bad one. We're all the same fucking people. We're all ignorant and he just has the ignorance that you feel like you've passed, but you've got some ignorance that he doesn't even fucking think about either. Try go and live in Kalgoorlie and then we'll see who's fucking ignorant, you know? See the kind of shit that that person knows from the life that he lives that you don't know. I bet you couldn't go and live in Kalgoorlie. You wouldn't know where to go. You wouldn't know where to buy a fucking things. It's a different kind of life. I don't know. I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. You wouldn't know where to buy things. <laughs> You'd probably know where to buy things. <laughs> oh, I'm in Kalgoorlie. Where's the shops? <laughs> nah, that's probably not exactly how it works. <laughs> it just it really makes me angry when when um, when people get up on their high horse and look down on someone that they perceive as being racist or homophobic or whatever the fuck because they just don't you know this person who's saying this thing that's supposed to be bad they don't know but they're not a bad person in their heart and they're not hateful and they're not trying to some people are hateful but most people aren't and to just write them off as hateful because they made a mistake is stupid you know and I really want to talk about that in the show I've got like three or four minutes of wiggle room, I reckon. So I think today I'm going to try and write some jokes about that and put them in. Um, and it's also very handy that, you know, I'm mixed race and I have this brown skin so I can kind of talk about it and I have the one experience that I've ever had that was like a really serious, you know, someone called me the N-word. Lucky, lucky that happened. <laughs> Yeah, I don't fucking know, man. <clears throat> hey, um, almost at the end, but I wanted to read a story. How exciting about that fucking boat, hey, on the Suez Canal that was stuck there for like a week and it was turning and in the sand and all that. Um, and I just read that it's been freed. The Ever Given has been freed. Not that anyone fucking gets. It's pretty exciting, right, to see some massive... But I love big shit. I love big shits coming out of my butt. No, I love big stuff. Um, big boats and shit. It's exciting. Trains, infrastructure. It's like, man, we're humans and we do that. How crazy is that? There's this one shipping lane that goes between Africa and the Middle East and it's like the Suez Canal. It's like through the land and it cut, it cuts like 10 days off the trip apparently because some of those boats that were stuck there while this big one was stuck in the middle of the canal, they rerouted around the Cape of Good Hope, South Africa, and it added another seven to 10 days onto their trip. Insanity. And we built this fucking thing. And it's like, what an amazing monument to international cooperation that there's this one canal and it like aids all of international trade. All these huge ships go through there and it's in Egypt, but like, Everyone uses it. I don't know. I think it's really nice. Um, anyway, so I'm going to read another one, one of these stories from the Australian Yarn. And in keeping with the news of the week, we're going to read one about the water. This one's called Tidal Wave from, uh, from Cairns in 1969. There is no doubt that this is the home of furfies and misheard information. One of the locals came racing around saying that he had heard on the radio that a three-foot tidal wave was on its way 
and was expected to hit the beach at about 10 in the evening. Everyone got busy pulling up their boats, hunting up strong lines and heavy anchors and generally battening down. Came the 7 o'clock news and we all listened intensely. It appeared that there had been an earthquake in Siberia and a three-foot tidal wave somewhere north of Japan. All right, that's the story. I don't really know about that one. Someone said, I mean, that is pretty funny, isn't it? The home of furfies and misheard information. What's a furfy? I want to know that. Okay, Google. What's a furfy? is Australian slang for an erroneous or improbable story that is claimed to be factual. Huh. Furfies are supposedly heard from reputable sources, sometimes second-hand or third-hand, and... Uh, come on. Fucking... What? Uh, second-hand, third-hand, and widely believed until discounted. Well, there you go! I didn't know that, and it's also a beer. How about it? That's pretty cool. So in 1969, someone in Cairns thought that there was a three-foot... Also, a three-foot tidal wave? Is that a lot? Is that a three-foot rising tide, or is that one wave? That's a three-foot rising tide, isn't it? That's a lot. And everyone pulled their boats down in strong lines, heavy anchors, generally battening down, and then... The news came back on. There was an earthquake in Siberia and a three-foot tidal wave on the other side of the world, and they all thought it was in Cairns. That's pretty funny, huh? That's not even that's not even uh, like awfully sexist like the one last week, which is cool. Anyway, I reckon that's the podcast for this week. If you're drinking a furphy, if you're drinking a furphy this week, you should tell a lie to someone. If you're drinking a furphy. That's a cool drinking game, right? Every time you can get your friend or like someone close to you to believe some false information about your life, then you reveal it to them. You go, hey, by the way, that you know how I told you that um, I had a degree in communications from Deakin University? And they're like, yeah. And you're like, I don't, so you owe me a furphy. <laughs> what a great game just gaslighting your fr- gaslighting your close friends and family revealing the information to them and revealing that you're a fucking psycho and then you're like hey you owe me a beer brother that's all right as a drinking game isn't it you got to lie to people get them to believe the lie and then when they do you show them that you've lied to them and then they owe you a beer you know what i'm gonna try and play nah i'm not gonna try and play that i can't be fucked anyway that's the podcast for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.